This is Harriet Westmore with the More Wine and Music podcast, the podcast where we discuss the history of the American genre of uh, American music, and we drink a glass of wine. So welcome to episode number three. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe or like button so you can get the notifications of when each episode will be uploaded onto all podcast forms. Also, check out www.morewineandmusic.com, and that's more, M-O-O-R-E, wineandmusic.com, where you can get up-to-date information on the um, topics that I will be discussing. And this season, I will be discussing the genre of blues and this is the dedication um to my dad who was a avid blues player and a blues band so my first episode my first season and episodes hereafter are dedicated to my father all right um before we get started i wanted to let everybody know what um type of wine i'm drinking as I said in my first episode, um, I'm pretty much a sweet lover of wine, although I can drink um, a little bit of dry wine, not too much. It has to have some kind of a flavor to it. So I can be like in between. I don't have to be actually sweet, but I don't like it you know, dry either. So I decided to go white today. I'm drinking um, some Barefoot um, Riesling. Riesling is one of a, a good sweet wine that I would that I like in in the uh, white um, in the white uh, category of wine of white wines. So I'm drinking my Riesling. So cheers! All right, um, this week episode I'm going to be talking about, episode three, is about Charlie Patton. Charlie Patton, and by the way, he's not any relations to the general George Patton. No relation whatsoever. So Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-E-Y, or C-H-R-L-I-E, I found his name both spellings. 
Charlie Patton, he is another pioneer of the blues in his rhythm and sound. He was born on May 1st in 1891 in Hines County near Edward, Edward of Bolton, Mississippi. His parents were Bill and Annie Patton. There's only one known picture of Charlie Patton. Um, when you look him up uh, with either spelling, you will see um, that one picture. And then as you when you see him, you can tell he was of a mixed um, heritage race. And he was a mix of um, black, white, and um, Cherokee. So he had native blood and black and white. At the age of nine, um, the family relocated from the um, Hines County or Bolton, Mississippi area and moved to the Will Dockery Plantation. And that's basically where he spent most of his life. You know, definitely his family stayed on that plant plantation and worked off the Will Dockery um, Plantation. I think if you go down that um, go down in that area. It's still, it's basically a tourist. You can go and tour that um, farm. Um, the Dockery family was a well-known um, family, white family, and they had acres and acres of um, cotton, and a lot of um, blacks would um, live on that on that on their farm or, you know, they would call it plantation, which basically was what it was because they were sharecroppers and it was just like working on a plantation. And um, they contribute to the Dockery family's wealth. So, and Charlie Patton's family was a part of that, that hard work and being sharecroppers. But while young Charlie was there, um, it was there that he um, discovered his love for music. As a teenager, he would um, learn how to play the guitar. And um, at first, his dad was just dead set against him playing the guitar and the type of music that he was playing. Of course, it goes back to what um, Christians, quote unquote, Christian um, thought of the music as the devil's music. So he definitely, his father definitely forbid him, forbid him to play the guitar. And if he, he was generally caught, if he was caught, like he would probably go sneak off from out of the fields and into a barn somewhere and, you know, try to learn how to play. And if he was caught by his dad, he would get a beating because his father was not having him being around what he called thought was low lives and playing the devil's music. But that didn't stop Charlie. He still, I mean, it was just in him that he wanted to play um, that music. He wanted to play the guitar. So eventually his father relented and saw that his son really had, you know, a love for, for music. So he, um, his father actually bought him a guitar. And um, for a minute there, Charlie was playing with, um, I think it was, I think they were called the Chap, Chap, um, Chaplin family. Um, it was some kind of, it was a small um, little band 
where he would play the guitar and uh, they would play like ragtime type music and they would play for local events, um, dances or, you know, you know, small time community church functions, something like that. So, you know, Charlie would play with them, but that wasn't, that was considered slow as far as the, that type of music for Charlie. He wants something a little more upbeat, um, a little more wilder. So he eventually left that group and um, kept practicing. And then he met up with a um, man who he um, deemed as his mentor in honing his craft. And his name was um, Henry Sloan. And if anybody who's been listening to the podcast up until this point, I have mentioned Henry Sloan as um, one of that he might have been um, the man that um, W.C. Handy, who was considered the godfather or not the godfather, the father of blues, um, Henry Sloan was might have been the man that Handy had heard on that day that he was at the uh, railroad um, station in Tutwiler, Mississippi, when um, Handy just heard this weird music. And he noticed that it was a gentleman playing the guitar. And people were speculating that might have been Henry Sloan, because Henry Sloan was known to play you know, that type of music that W.C. Handy eventually um, commercialed. So this is who um, Charlie learned his guitar playing from, was Henry Sloan. Well, anyway, um, being hooked up with um, Mr. Sloan, Charlie decided to leave the Dockery Plantation and he would follow um, Henry Sloan to play in these different types of um, different types of places like the juke joints, um, different or other plantations. And it was said that Charlie would play. Um, he would often get run off um, off the plantations because he would distract the the workers from doing their work because, you know, they were, you know, stop what they were doing. They would come listen to him. And so no cotton was being picked. so of course he had to go because he was just um, distracting the um, sharecroppers. So he would often get run off. But if people, you know, in the area wanted to hear him play, he would play not only in juke joints, but he would play in, local um, country stores. And back then, um, a lot of Blacks would um, gather around the local um, general store or country stores, and they would gather in front of this, the store, which they, they call, quote unquote, the store porch. And what it was that, you know, usually on a Saturday evening, many um, people would come and gather around in front of the stores, the store porch, and that's when you would hear music and they would, you know, have a little party. They would dance and 
you know, have a good time right in front of the store porch. And so that's where you would see a lot of these um, early musicians. And Charlie was one of those early musicians that um, people can come and hear him play. So um, while playing, you know, and from place to place um, in the Mississippi Delta, Charlie was known to be a ladies man. He had plenty of women. Um, he would drink. I mean, that, that he, he was basically the, the typical stereotype of a um, bluesman. A um, lot of whiskey, a lot of women, a lot of fighting. And Charlie had all three of that type of personality, which was kind of weird because when you hear his songs and hear his voice, Charlie's voice is different. I mean, it he didn't look like he sound. Like I said, there was only, there's only one known picture of him. And when you see him, and then hear his music, you would never even think that was him because his voice was very gruff and you could not understand half the stuff that he was singing. You just couldn't because his voice was just very gruff and it sounded like, you know, just listening, you would think he was some big, you know, pot belly guy and he wasn't he was only um they say he was only like five five he was very he was short as a man and very you know thin he only weighed around about 135 pounds so he was this short wiry looking you know fellow with this loud gruff you know voice so he definitely he was one of those that you know he didn't look like he sounds but he would, um, nevertheless, he, you know, he attracted the, the crowd with his singing and he attracted um, the, the women. And it was also said that um, he had such a high energy um, that he was probably considered the first um, artist that was flamboyant in his playing, meaning that he would um, he would sing and play his guitar over his head, behind his back, between his legs. So, you know, those who remember Jimi Hendrix and, you know, other other uh, artists like that, Jimmy, you know, you know, that that was the early influence. And people would, you know, have forgotten actually forgotten that Charlie Patton was probably one of the first performer who did that type of, um, did those type of acts while he played. So I, I found that it was interesting when I read that he, you know, played his, um, he would, uh, throw his guitar up and it'll come down and he'll come, it'll come right between his legs and he'll keep playing and, you know, not, not missing a beat or playing behind his back and everything. And that was, you know, Jimmy Hendrix was the first person I thought of who, you know, would play behind his back, even though he wasn't the first that did it. But, you know, I, I just remember, you know, seeing him, not seeing him in person, obviously, but seeing him 
you know, watch videos and stuff. Like he would play with his teeth and play behind his, you know, play behind his back and all that. So, you know, Charlie Patton, you know, started that. And that was way back in um, early 1900s. Well, not 1900s, in the early 1920s when he actually was started getting famous. And another thing about Charlie was his type of playing. He played, when he played, he played in a slapping, he slapped his chords. He didn't just play, you know, picking the picking his chords. He would um, slap it. So you hear that patent, that padding sound on the guitar as he sings. So that was a different style than you know, people like um, Blind Lemon Jefferson or Blind Blake or any other artists like that. So you can kind of distinguish Charlie Patton's music from anybody else because he would slap his uh, chords and you can hear the slapping of the, of the chords on the guitar as he's, you know, and, and, it, and he would um, do it in such a rhythmic beat that it kept up with, you know, had the beat going. So that would keep people, you know, on the dance floor. And um, so, I mean, that that was different. Um, like I said, he was very high energy. He also had a temper. He would fight. Um, like I said, he was a woman beater. He used to fight all his um, girlfriends. Um, but he also would get in fight in um, bar fights. Or whatever he, you know, he he was the type that would um uh would argue, you know, especially when you get liquor and so you know, and um he'll start to argue and you know he starts to get into it with some of the other patrons, and he <laughs> mostly all the time got beat up because of his size, and you know he wasn't a fighter, but he you know ran his mouth, you know when you get that little liquor courage in you, you start running your mouth. Next thing you know, you're in fights and, you know, he would, you know, often get into a lot of fights and um, he would get beat up. But, you know, it didn't stop him from running his mouth, though. And after, you know, after so long, he would um, get into a, a phase to where he re would repent, quote unquote, repent and want to um get back into the church and so he he would um start singing gospel songs and he would um he would stay out of the the jute joints and all that and start singing gospel songs and he would try to repent for his sins and but then after a while he'll get right back into go back on the scene go back into you know playing the quote-unquote devil's music and, you know, start fighting, fighting women, fighting men, fighting whoever, and the cycle begins. And it was said he was after, you know, during the time he was um, playing, you know, or singing gospel, he was actually a preacher. And um, he would preach in um, different churches in the area as well. So I know there's some songs that um, you can hear in his music that he actually, you can hear him preaching. Um, and another thing that was, you know, different about him 
was when he sing, he would also talk. So like it was like he's having a conversation. So he was saying a line or something, and then he'll go into talking like he's answering, you know, what is what he's singing. He would answer it in, in you know, in a voice, in his voice. So it, it's, it's interesting listening to him. Um, it was around like in the 20s, like the mid to late 20s. Um, he was kind of discovered by Paramount um, Recording Company that they wanted to record his um, music. So um, at that point, they um, brought him to Chicago and that's when he um, began to write and record music. His One of his um, major hit was called Pony Blues and others were like Banty Rooster Blues. And also the High Water Everywhere Parts one and two. That song, he talked about the the flood of 1927 of the down in the Mississippi Delta. There was a great flood in that area. And he wrote a song and was talking about it in that song. It's called High Water Everywhere. And, and he, you know, he talked about the flood and the after, after effects. Other songs that he had was called Spoonful Blues, Rattlesnake Blues, Mississippi Bow Weevil Blues, and others. And again, I, I like I said, he would um, when he was in his repentant moment, <laughs> he would record um, some gospel songs as well. By um, the thirties, Charlie's health was starting to deteriorate. Uh, I'm not sure what was actually going on with him, um, but I don't know if he was like getting, um, maybe it was TB because at one point he he had a hard time breathing. Um, so may, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what was actually causing his um, health to fail. And again, when he was knowing, you know, that his health was not, he wasn't up to par. That's when he started, really started getting back into the church and wanting to um, repent and start preaching and everything. Um, he met who would be his um, actual remaining common law wife or girlfriend until he died, um, a woman named Bertha Lee Pate. She was born in 1902 in Flora, Madison County, Mississippi. Um, she was a domestic worker who would cook and clean for white folks in the community. She died in 1975. So she she lived, you know, a while. And she could have, you know, anybody who would have interviewed her could have definitely um, gotten more information about you know, Charlie Patton. But anyway, Charlie, you know, would pretty much, you know, um, his, let me, to go back, he really was considered 
as far as women concerned, even though he, you know, he had a bunch of, you know, women that that wanted that liked him and wanted to, you know, who dealt with him when the good and the bad, you know, nowadays he would have been considered a bum because he didn't work. Only thing he did was, you know, pretty much live off of women while playing his um, guitar. And I'm sure that guitar playing didn't bring in much money. So he, you know, he pretty much, you know, bummed around while, you know, his girlfriend, whoever it was at the time, they would be out there working and scraping to, you know, make a living for the both of them. And more than likely they were basically um, domestic workers or they, they may have been sharecroppers or they may have been, you know, picking cotton. I don't know, but Bertha Lee Pate was a domestic worker. And together they would um, travel from town to town while um, Charlie would um, record or, or play in juke joints or whatever. And she would work as, you know, you know, get a little job as a domestic worker. And, you know, again, they would, uh, he would do the usual. They would fight. They both get drunk, fight, make up, get drunk, fight. You know, it, it went on, but for some reason, they stayed together. Even um, Bertha even recorded some songs with him, and they was usually like gospel songs with him. Um, one of his last time of recording, they both um, were taken up to... Um, New York and was giving a um, recording time with um, Vocalion Records and the song um, if you look up the song Hush you can um, hear you know that's both of them singing and you can hear um, Charlie's voice ailing you know he can you can tell he was ailing um, he was sick and that was pretty much the last um, recording song that he ever did. And he had a premonition of of his of his death because during the 30s, you know, when he became getting sick, he would write songs that kind of was a foreboding, you know, type songs about, you know, he might not, you know, he's not going to be here no more and. Um, you know, just, I mean, you, you can look it up. Um, and so, I mean, you know, you, he had that premonition, which a lot of them did back then. I mean, their lives was not long. They didn't live a long life. Um, because, of, you know, I don't know, because, you know, basically maybe because of the lifestyle that they lead. So, I mean, he, um, you know, during his last few songs, I mean, you can tell that he was, uh, you know, he was wearing, he was wearing down and his days were pretty much numbered. So with that being said, on April 28th of 1934, Charlie Patton passed away on the Heathman Plantation in Commissary, Mississippi. 
and it was noted that he had some kind of heart failure. He was only 42 years old. His death was barely recognized or announced. So um, I think that's where he's buried in Commissary, Mississippi. I may be wrong. If anybody out there who you know knows more about that, you know, please you know let me know. But uh, like I said, his his death was you know pretty much went unnoticed, but his music still lives on. And he became an influence to blues artists like Sunhouse, Holland Wolf, Booker White, and others. Charlie Patton is, you know, his music and his style was an, is another piece of the fabric of, of blues. And, you know, he's been dubbed as the father of the Delta blues because he, you know, rambled on and played throughout the um, Mississippi Delta. So that's Charlie Patton. Um, I suggest you guys, you know, look him up um, and see his picture. And then when you, you know, look up his songs on YouTube and listen to some of his songs, you can, you know, definitely compare that how he sounds, how he sings is not how he looks. (laughs) He does not look like he sounds, which is, you know, I find that interesting. So I like to thank the sources um, of uh, the Mississippi Blues Trail from, um, which is uh, www.msbluestrail.org. And also I um, got some of the information from R. Crumbs Patton, which is a YouTube video about him. I thought that was a pretty good um, narration about Patton, about Charlie Patton. So I I would suggest um, listeners to look up the um, YouTube video of R. Crumbs and quote Patton, unquote. All right. So that's. Charlie Patton, another early blues artist. And I want to thank you for listening. And um, I hope you enjoyed his little, his biography. A lot of these, um, like I, um, early artists, they didn't have a long biography because they didn't live long. But they, it's, you know, ironically, they made a big impression on the short time that they were here on earth. They've made a um, huge impression on us as as um, blues lovers and listeners of music. So I, you know, definitely want to make sure that they're, you know, still recognized and still appreciated to what you know we are as musicians are today. And again, I would Im- invite you guys to hit that like and subscribe. And check out my website of www.morewineandmusic.com. And um, next week, I am going to switch gears a little bit. And I'm going to talk about a female influential blues artist. And that is Ma Rainey. Uh, many of us should know who Ma Rainey is now after the movie with um, the late uh, chat with Bozeman had made with um, 
um, Viola Davis. So about um, about story of Ma Rainey. So that's who I'm going to talk about next week. So you guys take care and I will talk to you next week. Stay tuned. Bye.